0: back in September, you know, when I was at the UN General Assembly in New York was out in the streets on the Friday with, you know, the hundreds of thousands of other people. And then the 9 million people globally, collectively, we're all marching around the world. You know, my thought is like, this is amazing that there's 9 million people or so around the world. that are not going to work They're They're striking against, you know, they're striking. They're not going to work. They're not going to school. They're in the streets because they want to make an impact. But my thought is what if All 9 million people were actually not taking one day off in their year to strike for climate. But in fact, they were working every single day in their day-to-day lives to solve the climate crisis and getting paid to do it.
1: I still doubt that we have the will to act, but I say, the will to act is itself a renewable resource. G'day, and welcome to Climactic. Mark Spencer here, publisher of Climactic, which is a new title for me. I've been a host, I've been a producer, I've been an editor of this show, and I was one of the two people that got it started way back in April of 2018. But it's a new title because we're coming into a new phase. We are into the hundreds of episodes now. This right here is episode 101, which I still have a hard time believing. But it's really appropriate that today's episode is all about jobs. An interview with the founder of Climate Careers, and one where we talk a lot about the Green New Deal and what that really means, because jobs are on my mind, because I've just got a new one. You'll hear more about that in the course of this episode, but now's a really good time to let you know that Climactic is hiring, and sadly, no, we're not offering six-figure salaries. In fact, we're not offering any salary at all, But, but wait, please, keep listening. I've gotten so much out of producing this show, and I'm really happy it's grown into a platform that other people are taking advantage of, that institutions and groups are starting to come to us now as a way of getting a recording of an event out of reaching an audience and that individuals in the climate community are realizing that they can tell a story with us through us with our help and i'd love to keep offering the community that help and expand on what we've done in just the last two years but to keep it up we're going to need a fresh dose of energy and enthusiasm new pairs of eyes and ears people with recording skills or even just a willingness to learn to keep up the pace we've set as a volunteer organization, the Climactic Collective needs more volunteers. So if this volunteer-run climate community podcast collective thing sounds like your cup of tea, we'd love to hear from you. Just reach out at hello at climactic.fm or keep an eye on Climactic social media in the next few days where you're going to see a couple job listings from us. Also, due to our amazing volunteers, Climactic now has a newsletter. You can find a link to sign up in the show notes, and the first one just went out on Saturday the 25th. Every week we'll look back on the latest episode, pull together some of the best feedback we've had from you, the listener, some related news or other podcast episodes, and when possible, maybe even a bonus question or two for the guest. Okay, now on to today's episode where you're going to hear not just one American accent, but dose, And we'll get started right in the thick of it with the story of how today's guest and I crossed paths. Enjoy.
0: I mean, we got connected because of a mutual friend in that group. And, you know, I've been part of the Drawdown Facebook community group for quite a while now. What actually drew me to that group is I wanted to connect with other people who had been familiarized with Project Drawdown, mm-hmm. both the book uh, and or the organization, searched for that on Facebook, and I found the group, and I was like, oh, great, they have a group. <laughs> um, I mean, would it be helpful if I sort of gave the origin story of, of Climate Careers, perhaps? And
1: Yeah, that would be perfect.
0: Basically, how I got started with Climate Careers, which is the organization I, I run, is that back in late 2018, uh, you know, the IPCC report uh, came out. I had just come back from about a year of, of taking time off from work on a sabbatical. I, I had finally paid off my student loans. I had worked for you know quite a few years in the startup world uh, here in San Francisco. And I was fortunate enough to, to have some really awesome roles at great organizations doing pr- some pretty impactful stuff. Around that time, uh, again, late 2018, as this report was being released and it was sort of having its re- reverberations uh, throughout society... It, it definitely shook me because, as someone who grew up here in the Bay Area, I, I literally remember seeing *Inconvenient Truth* in theaters with my my family, and at the time, you know, totally being freaked out. Um, but I was a, I was definitely a kid, and and so I sort of had this naive perspective of, oh, you know, someone else will figure it out. <laughs> and uh, flash forward to 2018, IPCC report. I'm thinking about what my next move is going to be career wise. I mean, for me, it was just, it was like a calling, like I, I needed to to or join an organization where I, I would know that the work I'm doing on a day-to-day basis is having a real impact on solving the climate crisis. And so I knew that that's what I wanted. And I just, I really didn't know where to get started. And I was looking online. There's, there's various, you know, quote unquote, green jobs mm-hmm. uh, platforms out there. <laughs> Look through there thinking that surely this would be the place to find opportunities and I would get results that have like nothing to do with 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 climate change I mean like completely like absolutely nothing to do with it and I was like, why is that and, and of course the reason why is because climate change isn't an industry mm-hmm. climate change is a is is a problem it's the result of the way that our society has been conducting ourselves in many different ways and yeah across many different industries and many sectors of society. And so, you know, it, it, of course it makes sense that there isn't a uh, a tag on, you know, LinkedIn for, for climate change organizations, right? It was also around this time that I really started to dig deeper and say, okay, well, hold on. What are the solutions to this climate crisis that we're in? And I realized um, that, yeah, I was familiar with some of the big obvious ones that we hear about all the time, particularly around electricity generation, right, mm-hmm. energy, of course, transportation and electrifying our vehicles and, you know, and a little bit about agriculture, but that's pretty much it. You know, I I didn't really know much beyond that. And it was around this time that I was actually visiting one of my, my best friends, um, on his regenerative farming project that he was, that he was working at. Mm. And I'm sitting in his trailer on this beautiful piece of property out in nature. And he hands me this book and he's like, Hey, you know, I think you should take a look at this. And so I pick up the book. That book is called drawdown. Uh, And for those of you who haven't heard of Drawdown before, Drawdown is the book that was published by an organization called Project Drawdown, which was started by Paul Hawken, uh, Amanda Ravenhill, Chad Frischman, and a whole team of a distributed team around the world of researchers. And what this organization did and what they did in this first book that they released in 2017 was essentially producing the most comprehensive plan or list of climate solutions, sort of a roadmap of of how we can actually get ourselves out of this climate crisis. Mm -hmm. So here I am in the trailer with my friend and I'm thumbing through this book and the book is, it's a coffee table book. It it literally reads like almost a a mini encyclopedia of climate (laughs) solutions and it's ranked and categorized by different sectors. And I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, this is like the perfect framework that I needed as a job seeker to think about in terms of like okay now i have now i have like a basis like now i know sort of what keywords i should be searching for and and what kinds of organizations i should be like keeping an eye out for and so i started basically putting together a spreadsheet an airtable uh of different organizations and tagging them with the sector that they're in and tagging them with the specific climate solution, um, as listed by project drawdown and building out like this little mini database for myself and and for, for my own job search. And then sure enough, I had some friends ask if they could see it. And I started to think, you know, this maybe could be something that's valuable to other people and not just me and my friends. And that's really what gave me the kernel, the spark for what is now climate careers, sort of this recognition that, that there's a lot of sort of weeding out out there that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's a lot of greenwashing out there, particularly in the job market world. There could be a real value in creating a resource for people where they don't have to do all the heavy lifting that I had to do when looking for organizations to join as you know, as as employees that are doing real climate impactful work. Maybe I'll, I'll pause there and
1: No, that's great. <laughs> Evan, where are you joining us today from?
0: I am currently in San Francisco.
1: San Francisco—that is a city everyone has a different connotation with.
0: Yeah, well, for me, it's—it's it's actually my home. Um, I was—I was born and raised in the Bay Area, um, so I'm actually originally from Berkeley, California, probably known best for uh, its university. Um, mm-hmm. Grew up here, uh, went to college uh, in California, down in Santa Barbara at UC Santa Barbara, and and now I'm back up here in the Bay.
1: Fantastic. So yeah for for me personally living here in melbourne where it seems like everyone i run into is from somewhere else other than melbourne and it's kind of funny to run into the occasional person who's actually born and raised in melbourne i get the sense that san francisco is also one of those kind of <laughs> cities what's, what's it like yeah for you seeing such a big change in your city of the last couple decades
0: yeah i know you're you're spot on with that i mean i i kind of make jokes you know when i meet people and they're like where are you from and i'm like oh i'm from berkeley and then they're like, oh, yeah, but where are you originally from? And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm originally from Berkeley. <laughs> I joke that I'm one of those rare locals that they've maybe heard of before. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, you know, this is the tech capital of the world, and it attracts a lot of talent from all over the place. Mm. And, um, and, you know, I, I think uh, that definitely comes with pros and cons. Um, the pros are that it's an international city. And I have friends from all over the United States, from all over the world that, um, I met because they moved here and you know I'm fortunate to be from a place that attracts such a diversity of culture and backgrounds but I guess the you know the cons are well you know gentrification definitely comes with a with with its costs mm-hmm. and a lot of that is driven by sort of the, the the tech world out here and the high salaries that these people command when they when they move out here for those jobs so but you know I, I have a I have a love-hate relationship with it I, I see the good and the bad
1: yeah you're right it is a mixed bag and I noticed one of the things you focused on there was, well, it's obviously one of the pressing things facing San Francisco, but the jobs that are coming along with the tech industry and and with how it's changing society. We're gonna be talking a lot about jobs in this episode, but one just quick thing to maybe pull apart is, it's kinda interesting that we're facing climate change, changes across society that'll affect kind of every facet of life. And I wonder if you think at all that being from a city that experienced so much change in the last couple decades, does that kind of make you a little bit ahead of the curve on preparing for massive changes that we're all going to see?
0: So I like to describe this area that I'm in as like, we're a, in a, we're like a bubble within a bubble within a bubble, within a bubble. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and maybe even within yet another bubble. Um,
1: sounds I fractal. Th- sounds yes. beautiful.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. It's, it's a bubble like a bath. a
1: spider's eye.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think that, The Bay Area, um, as it it sort of intersects with the climate world, um, I mean, look, the Bay Area was one of the really the homes of the environmental movement, um, you know, dating back to the sort of 50s and 60s, and has been sort of a bastion of of free thinking and free speech and, uh, Mm. and also, you know, um, progressive politics and scientific thinking, right? Again, this is, you know, a lot of technology, we have the universities like Stanford here. Generally speaking, I think. The Bay Area tends to lead in a lot of ways when it comes to certain topics, and I think I think that climate change is one of those topics. You know, right here in the Bay Area, we have I mean, the Sierra Club, uh, one of the largest uh, environmental nonprofits here in the United States, um, and mm-hmm. they, I think they do a fair amount of international work as well. They're headquartered here in the Bay Area. Earth Island Institute uh, is a five hundred one c three sponsoring organization. Fancy U.S. legal talk for um, they're basically. They're basically an organization that's that sponsors other nonprofit projects, and they're extremely well known. They're also here. Tides Foundation is here. So there's a lot of really fantastic social and environmental impact orgs, uh, nonprofits and NGOs here in the Bay. And then to sort of couple that, you also see just a, a tremendous amount of technology companies that have already begun sort of working on climate solutions. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that the Bay Area is, is definitely progressive when it comes to issues of environmental issues, generally speaking, and climate being one of, those, uh, one of those issues. But you know, it's interesting because we're also a coastal city, and with sea level rise, we are going to be impacted for sure. And it's interesting because even though most people here in the Bay know that climate change is a real thing, I think a lot of people here think of, the, think of climate change affecting other areas of the world. And not really here in the Bay Area. <laughs> However, just in the past couple of years, I think that it's starting to get a little bit more personal. Um, yeah. For instance, the frequency that we're now seeing these wildfires up here in Northern California, uh, in Napa, Sonoma, it's kind of the new norm. You know, I when you and I were chatting the other day, uh, and you were telling me about the air quality and um, you know and where, where where your neighborhood is and how bad it's gotten. I mean, that's that's been the case for us um, frequently over the past couple of years. Um, Mm -hmm. To to the point where, you know, schools are, you know, basically shut down for a day. Um, It's totally normal on those days when we have fires to see people walking around with masks. In fact, there's even like a whole business now, I think, around creating like these designer face masks, which is like totally dystopian. And, you know, again, just the new reality. So, you know, I think people are um, getting even more attuned to climate change um, as it starts to affect them personally. Also, I'll just mention the Bay Area is again, being a coastal city, like sea level rise is going to affect this area. And the Bay in, in San Francisco has already begun work on developing a, a sea wall.
1: It's kind of shocking to even people within our climate community that know that there are medium to long-term threats from climate change, but actually come to terms with the fact that we're not talking about future tense climate change. We're talking about a already changed climate and mechanisms already set into action, which Mm -hmm. will, and already are causing change. Anyways, we've gone really big and I just wanted to, to apologize for that because that's, that's definitely where I like to play, but, um, thank you for kind of, you know, going down that rabbit hole a little bit with me, but we are here to talk about something very tangible and practical and a real world concern for every single person listening, and that is jobs and careers. It's what we, most of us, spend the majority of our waking hours doing, uh, you know, at least 40 hours a week. Evan, you are uniquely situated to talk about the intersection of careers and employment and the climate crisis. Were there any instances where you were doing a bit of research into a company and you initially thought, this is legitimate, this isn't greenwashing, this would be a valid job, that actually, by someone taking it on earnestly, they would be making a positive impact towards the mitigation of climate change, and then you dug a little deeper and found out it was a crock of BS.
0: Yeah, you know it's it's really funny. I I just had that experience um, yesterday. Uh, so, oh, so, so so it, so it's so it's still it's still it's still a challenge we face because um, mm. you know companies will say things about themselves and their impact and their work. Yeah. And we all kind of take it on face value because, you know, unless there's a, you know, a scandalous news article that broke about them not actually doing what they say that they're doing, it's, you know, you, you might just not know otherwise. Um, yeah. but it's funny that you brought that up because the COO of a very large, very well-known tech company reached out to us, uh, like literally yesterday. Mm-hmm. and. And she said, "Hey, there's this company on your platform. They're like a, a biomass energy company, mm-hmm. and they're total bullshit. And you need to get them off. You oh. need to get them off your platform. And it's funny because like we actually had previously removed them, but somehow at some point they got back it was in. Probably, probably me
1: that Four cups somehow actually." 2 a.m. The startup
0: yep. life. Yeah. It's like somehow they, they got back up on our website and here we are advertising jobs for this organization. That is, it's actually, they're not only not solving the climate crisis, but they're directly contributing to it. And, um, and
1: maybe in your defense, they decided in a moment of honesty to call themselves bullshit. <laughs> and you knew that, Hey, biomass, right? That, that sounds good.
0: Yeah, it's uh, no, it was just a strictly an error on our part after previously weeding them out. But, but it was great because for one, I mean, to see that this incredibly high-ranking...
1: Well-connected and... Yeah, yeah.
0: that this person is using climate careers to find her next opportunity. I mean, and she's coming from... Uh, you know, again, I can't disclose the name publicly, but like a very, very large, well-known tech company at at the C-level suite, you know, and, and here she is mm-hmm. using, you know, climate careers to find her next opportunity. So that was like awesome. But then what was really amazing, too, is just the fact that we had this community of users that care so deeply about this mm-hmm. and that she felt like, hey, you know, I should probably reach out to this organization and and correct them on this mistake that they've made. But just to like drill in on your question, I mean, again, there's a lot of greenwashing out there and we're really aiming to be sort of a clearinghouse um, so that our users know with confidence that what they're going to find on our platform is not going to be greenwashing, that we've done our due diligence and that the organizations that we support are the real deal, that they're actually doing impactful work to reverse global warming and to solve the climate crisis.
1: That's really good to hear. And How companies have been able to get away with the greenwash for so long is it feels like the pain is really diffuse and there isn't a loud enough voice that will condemn them for doing that. There's more upside to them for doing it than, than downside risk, but it's really heartening that when a site like yours comes along that does start to pull together people who earnestly and truly do want their jobs to matter in pursuit of this solution to the biggest issue set we face as a species, that you do end up with this critical mass of people who will punish Greenwash, who, who will be able to discern and, yeah, very actively call out obfuscation and, and bald-faced lying. Uh, so there's really power in that you not going broad, but you really, you know, sticking to this pointy end of, no, we, we are going to be selective and we are going to Actively wean people out. Just, just quickly, as a business and and as yourself as an entrepreneur, how do you answer the question from you know a prospective investor to say that, sure, you you can get a one job from a, a Sierra Club or a, a project drawdown looking for you know research team members. You can you can get one job for probably every ten from a Chevron, a BP offering a, some type of of green role within their organization to uh, to to help do some. Some carbon capture and sequestration research, or or run a test program, or yeah, it, it, wouldn't it be good to to help the big guys to to clean up their act a bit? Yeah, you know, if someone came to you with that pitch, and I'm sure that they are. How do you answer that, or how do you kind of prepare yourself for that debate?
0: Well, I mean, you're you're asking a really you're hitting me with the hard questions. I'm not gonna lie, Mark.
1: Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> so
0: just just so I'm clear on what the question is, like, how would we handle a situation where? a extractive energy company would want to use our platform to hire for a role within a subsidiary that's doing direct air capture? Like how would we respond to that?
1: You can definitely get down to like a specific hypothetical and say, at what point does you know this cross the line? That would get really hairy, really fast. And, and I am well aware that there's so many shades gray and so many ways to personally draw your own line, but more in the general aspect that. It's true that there are jobs you'll say no to and companies you'll say no to. How do you handle that as an entrepreneur knowing you're you're consciously choosing to limit the size of your market and ultimately potentially your business?
0: For me, the answer is it, it's really, um, it, it's a, it's a business reason, <laughs> uh, but it's, mm, also, it's mm. also an ethical one too. But the bottom line is we have a product that we've designed to serve a certain audience and, and that audience mm-hmm. are, are people that care sincerely um, about solving the climate crisis? So, if we had jobs on our platform, or if we ever have jobs on our platform that are with organizations that are are not climate impactful, or or they are in fact, you know, greenwashers, not only would we would that be bad for us, and we would want to remove because that would send a really bad signal to our audience. But I, I would actually really hope that um, our audience calls it out. Kind of like what happened uh, recently, like I was telling you about, you know, mm. where that where that person reached out to us and said, "Hey, you know that that company that you posted a job for, they they should not be on your platform." And here's why. Um, that's really important to us. We really care about making sure that what we're building is helping our users find opportunities that are truly climate impactful. And that way, you know, we can we can get to work on, on solving this crisis. That's
1: right. That integrity and that you know the mission of it is actually beneficial to your brand, which is beneficial to the business. And the reason why I wanted just to get that out there is, I I know amongst our listeners and amongst the climate community, there's a genuine, and I think some, sometimes because we've all seen greenwash, you know, it's, it's an understandable skepticism that business could ever be on the right side Uh, of this. Um, I, I personally disagree. Uh, so I just wanted to, yeah, basically just hear it from you that you think in the operation of the business and from what you've already seen. Choosing morals and integrity and the mission of the company is actually good for the company.
0: Oh yeah, no, one hundred percent. And you know, for those of you listening to this conversation that are sort of anti business, I mean I, I think it's important to note that there is a difference between corporate, like multinational corporations and that that kind of business mm-hmm. and a farmer's market. Absolutely. Those both represent different kinds of businesses and and different models for business, Um, but of course they're ends of a spectrum, but yeah, but they're totally different. And honestly, like I can say that, you know, myself and our extremely small team at climate careers who, by the way, like everyone on the team at climate careers, no one is taking a paycheck. We have no funding. This is entirely bootstrapped. Mm. I mean, we are, this is a true passion project that we are trying to turn into, a sustainable organization and for us, because we are serving a business service, right? Like this is, we, we help organizations hire for us. It makes sense to be a Mm for-profit. I would love to be able to be a nonprofit, but the truth is, uh, and again, I'm sort of speaking to the audience that might be listening. That's like, yeah, but why aren't they just a nonprofit? You know, they can do really great things as a nonprofit. Well, my response would be, would you want to donate money to a company that or to an organization that helps employable people find jobs.
1: <laughs> the truth is <laughs> commercial by nature.
0: The work that we're doing doesn't really tug at the heartstrings the same way that, you know, a nonprofit that's building a community garden might. For us as we're getting started when we have to think about, okay, well we we really would benefit from some initial capital, like some upfront funding. We kind of look at where we could get that funding from. You know, would we get mm-hmm. it from a donor or a, a sort of a crowd funded donor system. I think that we have something that is very useful for people. Yeah. And it's also very useful for businesses. And we intend on keeping our platform free for our users or the job seekers that use our platform mm-hmm. for, forever. Uh, it's part of our mission. We want to make something that is is helping move people into climate impactful careers. And in doing so, uh, this is a really valuable business service. For these organizations that we support, and we support nonprofits. Uh, we, you know, we're, we would support government initiatives, um, even you know, if if the Environmental Protection Agency in the United States wasn't gutted, it comes
1: back like a phoenix from the ashes. Yeah, which
0: it, you know, fingers crossed. Hopefully, it will twenty twenty. Let's keep the eye on the prize there. Uh, it'll let's keep the faith. Yep. Yeah, um. Let's let's get a new president. But you know, if if mm-hmm. if, if <laughs> slash when that happens, um, you know, we will absolutely. Be eager to work with any organization, including like an EPA on helping them attract uh, top mission driven talent. And actually on that note, I'll say that, you know, here in the United States and, and even abroad now, um, there's been this movement around a green new deal, what a green new deal is. Let's just be very clear here. It's a job creation bill. It's an economic stimulus package that is designed to create work that is climate impactful. And so, you know, I'm a huge fan of the concept of a green new deal and in in many ways when I wake up in the morning i'm I'm inspired by the vision of what that looks like of when we of what that looks like when mm-hmm. we get millions of people not just working for a paycheck but working for real environmental impact and it's my hope that at the time a green new deal is passed you know if that happens that we can be a platform to disseminate the opportunities that will be you know created from that bill mm-hmm. but the truth is we can't we can't rely on a Green New Deal. We should be pushing for a Green New Deal and, and hoping that we can get something like that passed. But the truth is, it's it's still unlikely that we will get a really comprehensive Green New Deal passed in the United yeah. States. At it the might happen level. in Europe and other... Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's still just... it's. It, I don't think it's a likelihood right now, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have a lot of issues around political gridlock at the national level that would make it very difficult for us to pass something like that. So my thoughts are, well, you know... We should be pushing for one, but if that if we can't get a Green New Deal passed, that isn't a reason that we shouldn't also be working to help people find climate impactful jobs like That's today.
1: Right. Yeah, state by state, city by city, company by company. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And 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 the nice thing is that you know I think a lot of people think that these are jobs that don't you know that have never existed before. And and yeah, sure that might be the case. Um, and and a certain percentage of those jobs will certainly be new, of course. Mm-hmm. But the kinds of jobs already exist. It's just the numbers that will be increased by a Green New Deal, right? So there are a tremendous number of climate-impactful jobs already available right now. And we're on the mission to uncover those organizations that are doing that work and to help them hire and to help job seekers around the world discover those opportunities on our platform.
1: Yeah, that's right. And beautiful segue, I think, into more about... How the site works for job seekers and, and what else you're building on top of that. So
0: before I sort of dive deep into that, I think it might be helpful for me to explain a little bit about sort of what we consider a, a climate impactful job. Perfect. Yes, please. Um, you know what is a climate career? There's a lot of sustainability managers positions that are popping up as more and more companies start to think about their impact, specifically their climate impact, but but also it you know it relates to plastic uh, waste and stuff like that as well. A lot of people coming out of college right now or, or perhaps entering university, they're, they're thinking like, okay, well, I want a job, you know, eventually, I want a career that's going to be good for the world, good for our planet, our environment, our climate, etc. And I think that line of thinking leads people to want to be like a sustainability manager, or like a s- chief sustainability officer, you know, at a company or an organization of some sort one day. Or they want to be a climate scientist. You know, they want to research uh, climate change. And, and I think that, those are fantastic career choices. I also think that you can have a climate impactful career as a lawyer, as a salesperson, as a grant writer, as an advocate, you know, and a thought leader, uh, um, you can have a, a climate impactful career, uh, as a marketer. And what I mean by that is it's not what your role is, in my opinion, as much as it's about what role are you performing at which organization? you could be an evil lawyer or you could be like a lobbyist that's like lobbying on behalf of oil companies, you know, and trying to loosen regulations. Or you could be a lobbyist that's actually lobbying against oil companies. Do you have to be a sustainability manager to have an impact on the climate through your career? In my opinion, absolutely not. And at the end of the day, when you look at the organizations that are hiring on our platform, you'll see just a, a very wide variety of different kinds of roles. In fact, I'll mention that the most common kind of role that we're seeing being posted on our platform is software engineer. Hmm. And, and, and that's an interesting one, right? Because like, well, what do software engineers have to do with solving the climate crisis? Well, it turns out that even organizations like Project Drawdown Need software engineers to manage the the huge amount of data that they have, and to display that data in a way on a website that's intuitive to use. I mean, that's that's a huge design challenge. Like, if, if for those of you who ever want to check out Project Drawdown's website, you can go to drawdown.org, and you'll see that the design challenge that they have is is pretty tremendous. I mean, they they have to take a huge amount of data and display that in a way on their on their website so that it's easy to consume for people visiting it. Mm-hmm. That's not something that a sustainability manager is probably gonna know how to do. In fact, most organizations have a digital interface of some sort. That's why, for instance, not only do we see such a wide variety of kinds of roles on the platform, but why we also see a lot of tech roles. It's exciting, I think. it's. I think I get so excited when, when I kind of realized the opportunity that exists out there for people because it just means that there's more opportunities for people to leverage this their skill sets and their experience that they've already developed in their careers or in theirs in, or in their education, so that they can do what they do best, but plugged in at an organization that's actually having a real impact.
1: Well said, yeah. and and really the answer isn't that's not unintuitive and it's not surprising, but it is is really refreshing to hear and it makes sense and isn't what immediately would spring to mind that you can have climate careers in in every potential vocation, it's about the application of those skills rather than the role itself. Exactly. The lawyer is a a great example of that, of course. Just now while we were talking, I actually just got the email that I got the uh, the full-time job at a big podcasting company that I've been waiting to hear back from all day. So uh, while I'm not yet going to be looking for a job through Climate Careers, this is definitely a resource I'll be using a lot myself just to stay current with where jobs are at Definitely be pointing people towards. Mm. Um, to ask a very self-serving question, you know, could a could a podcast network post internships or or jobs on here potentially? And how uh, would a potential lister get in touch with you?
0: Great question. Again, it's really about the mission of the organization. Um, so if if this is a podcast, uh, you know, that is looking for an intern. Uh, let's say you are looking for an intern to help sort of keep climactic moving as you move into this new role. Yeah. <laughs> Hypothetically, yeah. Um, Hypothetically, yeah. I mean, because you're because you're a mission aligned organization, you know that would be a no brainer for us. If, of course, of course, you'd, you're welcome to post an internship, and in fact, internships are are free to post on our platform. So are volunteer positions. Um, we, In fact, we really want more people to be using our platform to, to uh, post volunteer positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll say also for anyone listening that is running, let's say, a nonprofit and you're looking for, let's say you need a front end developer and you can't afford one. There's actually a lot of really talented technologists that visit our platform and they might see that opportunity and just want to help out. So, um, you know, that's something we really want to uh sort of use our platform for more moving forward is like allowing people to join projects, even if it's not a a formal job, uh, giving them the opportunity to get involved with an organization, um, even informally as a volunteer. And on top of that, what we actually are really thinking about more looking into the future is is not charging on a per job post basis we'd we'd really like to support organizations with all their hiring needs throughout the year mm-hmm. and so what we're moving more towards is is sort of doing long-term partnerships with organizations that are more comprehensive than just simple job posts and i guess for any of those folks out there who are listening who run organizations that are doing great work on solving the climate crisis you might be thinking yeah but we can get good talent elsewhere What I think our platform is really helping organizations achieve is not just attracting perhaps like the right person with the right skill set, but actually attracting someone who is mission aligned, Mm. who is joining your organization, not only because it fits their bill in terms of career development, but because it fits what they're looking for in terms of life development, in terms of, you know, getting a sense of purpose through their work.
1: Yeah. The people aren't there just to fill seats, but they're there. They have a personal mission that's aligned with their work
0: totally yeah mm. yeah and and like also mark like i'm happy to talk about things that aren't climate careers specific like though i totally appreciate all the <laughs> all the conversation around it
1: well you're, you're going to be a repeat guest i think this has been really enjoyable so i said to quickly quickly send this email off to my wife and she's just, was just like oh my god oh my god So excited! I literally literally got the email back five minutes ago. So sorry, it's very unprofessional in the middle of an interview. No,
0: no, no, that's that's awesome. I hope you like keep this in there because that's amazing. I will. Thank you. I mean, look, you know, we spend so many people. Yeah, no, and I I think that's amazing. Like, and I'm I'm really happy to hear that because you've been able to take something that you're really passionate about and turn it into a career. And there's so many people that are sincerely so passionate about about doing something to have an impact on our environment, a positive Mm. impact. Uh, but so, so many people struggle with that. And when it comes to the conversation around how individuals can have an, a real impact on the climate crisis, unfortunately, I think so much of the conversation is focused on how we spend our money, yeah. you know, our consumer behaviors, right? Like what car we drive, what food do you eat? You know, how much meat do you eat? Why do you eat any meat at all? <laughs> um You know, if you do, what kind of meat is it? I mean, what kind of shoes are you wearing uh, what brands are you supporting, right? And all these questions about consumer behaviors. And, and look, the truth is, I think they're important questions. Like we should be challenging ourselves to be more responsible consumers. Yeah. I, I don't argue with that at all. But unfortunately, I think what's missing in the in this broader conversation about what individuals can do to have an impact, it's all focused on how we spend our money and not nearly as focused to how we make our money. And I think it's important for people to know that they don't have to choose between having a high-paying career and a high-impact career, that they can find high-paying, high-impact jobs. And Climate Careers is one of the, the places uh, where they might be able to find those opportunities.
1: Wonderful. Yeah. and And- yeah, like I said, I wish I was looking for a job right now, because I'm sure I could find a good one. With but do you, you with really wish degrees.
0: you were looking for a job right now? No. No, no hell no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm over the moon right now. Um, that's a really well thought out answer. And it's it's really nice occasionally to get sort of challenged on on what we're doing and why. And this is the one thing that since getting involved with the climate community, I've been asked hard questions by people, by people that... You know, previously, I thought we're, we're right about most things. But when it comes to climate, it is such a clear way of separating out that which matters and that which truly doesn't. Um, and mm. when you're facing something that, that puts the species on a short time horizon, it really clarifies a lot of things. Yeah. Um, so I agree. I am I am sympathetic to the EA community, but I think that if at the end of the day, if you're doing the most effective thing you can to engage with the climate crisis, it becomes pretty stark what we have to do.
0: But at the end of the day, you know, this is your life. Um, Yeah. And, 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 and you still have to go to work every day. I mean, most people (laughs) do at least. And so, yeah, it's, it's about maximizing impact for sure. Um, It's also about, I think like people are going to be more impactful uh, when they're happy doing what they're doing, they're going to be more effective at doing a job that they actually resonate with deeply on a like almost like a spiritual level. That when when you know that what you're doing on a day to day basis is like actually that that it actually matters, mm-hmm. you know, matters beyond just the paycheck. Um, you know, the, one of the side sort of benefits of 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 having that job is that you feel good about yourself. I mean, and and I'll just say like. Mark, have you have you had people on the show talk about climate anxiety before? Has that been a topic?
1: It has come up, yeah, a few times. But well, what's your personal sort of experience with it or take on it?
0: So jumping back to like 2018, you know, just came back from time off from work. Um, IPCC report, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm feeling fully freaked out. I mean, I, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie, I'm I'm gonna level with you, Mark. I was kind of having a little bit of an existential crisis myself. Like I, 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 really was having a tough time. The dialogue around climate change was, and still is, you know, it's very doomsday. And that's, and it's heavy for people really. It's, it's super heavy. Right. And perhaps people who are listening to the show are experiencing that. And a couple of those things that can really help are one community, finding your tribe, you know, connecting with people who, are also experiencing that and trying to and you know trying to be a part of the solution. That's that's one side, but then the other side is also getting to work, mm-hmm. uh, like taking action, right? Yeah. And those two things paired together are a really good way of alleviating your anxiety. Um, you have to have a sense of community and a support system, as well as a sense of agency that you are actually doing something. That what you're doing really matters. And I think that's why back in September, you know, when I was at the UN General Assembly in New York was out in the streets on the Friday with, you know, the hundreds of thousands of other people and then the 9 million people globally, um, that Mm -hmm. collectively we're all marching around the world, um, for climate. You know, I think that that's what those people, that's part of what is driving them is that it's not just that they're concerned, but what's getting them to actually get out in the streets and take action is that they have a sense of community and that by doing so and making this big statement with their community, that they are actually able to send a really powerful message that might actually make a difference. And when I was in the streets with these people marching for climate with, with my people, you know, my thought is like, this is amazing that there's 9 million people or so around the world that are, that are not going to work. They're, they're striking against, you know, they're striking. They're not going to work. They're not going to school. They're in Mm -hmm. the streets because they want to make an impact. But my thought is what if all 9 million people were actually not, taking one day off in their year to strike for climate. But in fact, they were working every single day. Well, five days a week, let's say, (laughs) (laughs) you know, actually working in their day to day lives to solve the climate crisis and getting paid to do it. And I think that that's the world. That's the that's the economic system. That's that's the future job market that we need to be pushing for. You know, and I can say that um, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of that movement.
1: What a beautiful image. And also when you zoom out, just, well, when you actually zoom in a little bit into climate careers, you can see that this is the Green New Deal, writ small and writ kind of just every day. What a great sort of just, yesimation yeah, of where we need society to, to be in order to solve this. Those March days have been such a powerful demonstration of our will for, we want that. But how we're going to actually achieve it is going to be that day in, day out, at jobs, working on solutions. Really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Everybody.
0: There's there's no yeah. silver bullet to this you know crisis. But I think what's amazing about that is that that means that there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for all kinds of people with different backgrounds to have a yeah, role. Yeah, that's right. It it's not just one solution. There's many, many solutions, and they all deserve a lot yeah, of work.
1: That's it. Um, you're right. It's not, you know, and, and then we marched and everything was better. <laughs> it's we all turned up right? Exactly. kept turning up and kept working. Yeah, this is just yeah. the
0: beginning. Yeah, exactly. This is this is really just the I think that's just the tip of the iceberg, you know, and I think the rest of the iceberg is, you know, hopefully less marching. Well, not less marching, more marching, more climate strikes and also more people getting to work in their day to day on solving the climate crisis in a way that
1: really lights them up and gives them an ability to pursue their passions and their purpose Evan, uh, we could talk uh, more we could talk so much more about this we could talk all day and and we're going to keep talking in future but i think for right now i think you've given such a great idea of what climate careers is for people maybe have them rethinking what they're doing 40 hours a week and thousands of hours every year in their lives and should you find yourself not in a day job or you know a, a career that does marry up your concern and your, your passion for a livable future, uh, well, climate careers would be a really good place to start looking. I'll also mention here in Australia, we've got some options as well, like ethical jobs, and I want to mention them simply because they uh, are personally how I found employment in the past. Uh, there's, there's no... <laughs> no commercial relationships or anything there at all. It's just that they do have a bit of a footprint already within Australia, but we will be posting at least Mm. a couple volunteer and internship roles for Climactic on Climate Careers. I'm going to take you up on that, Evan, and I'm very excited about it. And we're going to have more from you in future as well. So uh, do you maybe want to give – it's up to you if you want to give listeners maybe a brief teaser about what we might be able to expect from you uh, and and in terms of content from San Francisco in the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be doing a, a monthly speaker series uh, starting in San Francisco where we're actually going to be doing these events live I'm in front of an audience. I, I have a long list of, of pretty awesome people working on uh, you know everything from nature-based solutions to technological solutions to policy solutions and so on. I've been able to amass this network of um, some pretty uh, high-quality sort of experts across different areas when it comes to climate solutionism.
1: That's so good.
0: And I'm gonna be doing these events. If you're in the area, if you're you know if you're a listener here in the Bay Area, definitely go to Climate Careers and subscribe to our. Our newsletter, and you'll be hearing about the actual events. But if you're not in the Bay and, and you're curious to hear, listen to these conversations, we are going to be recording them, and if everything goes to plan, we'll be publishing those on Climactic as a podcast. So we'll, you know, hopefully, uh, my uh, participation here with you, Mark, uh, doesn't end as a guest, and and uh, and hopefully, I'll be hosting um, on Climactic in the near future.
1: That's so exciting. And I, I think you've definitely wet people's whistles for more, Evan. Um, you've been such, <laughs> a, a, so, just so generous with your time, Evan, and and with your, just the way you're engaging with this. And um, I, I know for me, when I got involved with the climate community, I was coming at it from from kind of the entrepreneurial angle. You know, I, I studied business. My, my father's been a small business owner my whole life. And I was really worried that wouldn't, sort of win me any friends in the climate community. And it has sparked hard conversations sometimes, but I was really impressed that people were willing to kind of meet me where I was. And I really appreciate you kind of bringing yourself to this in a really sort of real way. And thank you so much for that, Evan.
0: No, it's it's been my absolute pleasure. Um, and I also want to let your listeners know that if anything I said has has inspired them or or perhaps even infuriated them, hopefully not that. <laughs> but um, but but, you know, I, I am accessible. Um, you can just reach out to me and and my team. Uh, it's at team at climate dot careers. And and that actually, I mean, the only two, sorry, the only three people answering that are myself, my brother, and our friend Yasin. So um, that is the best way of getting in touch with us. If you're interested in helping us expand to wherever it is that you're living, you know, if you're in Australia and we don't have any jobs in Australia listed and you want to help us expand, uh, by all means, reach out. We'd love to work Mm -hmm. with you.
1: Perfect. Be a good tagline. If you like what they're doing or don't like what you're doing, Climate Careers. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's funny yeah no uh, no. no i think our tag
0: i think our tagline right now we're still working on that it's it's either like mobilizing the world's talent to solve the climate crisis that's that's currently our mission mm-hmm. statement but But, you know, if that ever gets boring, then we might have to consider your suggestion.
1: We'll get to the bumper sticker at some point. You know, we'll really boil it down. Just quickly on the how to contact you front, if uh, you out there listening don't know this already, for every one of our episodes, we've got not only show notes, but we create a guest page for each and every one of our guests, making it really easy for you to find other episodes they've appeared on. So if you haven't been to the website before, just go to climactic.fm slash guests, and you'll see a full list of every single appearance by people on Climactic. You can then find Evan's profile and links to social media, uh, should that be acceptable, (laughs) Um, and definitely that email address that you gave before. All right. Well, Evan, thank you again so much for joining us. We look forward to having you back on the show in the near future.
0: Yeah, and and thank you. This was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to the next one.
1: And we're out. (laughs) Easy as that. Thanks, man. Woo!
0: Dude, I, I love that. That was so much fun.
1: I like you get a I bit of endorphin rush.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, I totally love it. Uh...
1: Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Climactic, the flagship podcast of the Climactic Collective, a podcast network dedicated to lifting the voices of the climate community. You can find out more about the people behind Climactic and all the shows we produce at climactic.fm. We are a social enterprise podcast network, and we greatly appreciate your support. You can find a link to our Pausable where you can support us directly in the show notes of this episode or from our website. Thank you for listening, and from the whole Climactic Collective, keep up the great work and take care of each other in these climactic times.